that you're listening to Guys on the Sideline podcast, where you'll hear opinions, predictions, and sports takes in every direction. If you're a diehard sports fan, this is the place to be. They've never played. They have no experience, but they have plenty to say. And now, here are the guys on the sideline. Hey, everybody. Welcome on in to Guys on the Sideline, the podcast. This is episode 86 of the fastest growing sports podcast within the circles of the National Football League. (laughs) Can you tell I'm excited today, ladies and gentlemen? This is your fearless host, Jeff Burton, and we are thrilled that you joined us today. Now, I've got to set this episode up right. So, you know, all you listeners of the podcast, that we've been giving a voice to the fan perspective that's real guys and gals on the sideline or guys and gals of the upper bowl. And we've been doing that for a couple of years now, 86 episodes now, I guess you could say. And we've had a ton of fun as we've done it. Now, as you know, we get a little passionate. Sometimes our reasoning goes out the window, right? Because after all, we're fans. And what is the word fan short for? <laughs> My point exactly. But on today's episode, we have an absolute treat. We have a legit six foot five and a half, almost 300 pound former offensive lineman, Marcus Ogden, who is joining us. Marcus was kind enough to sit down for a fun little chat. And we just want to say again, Marcus, thank you. You're a great sport, a great guy, great speaker. And uh, we want to jump into that interview now. So without further ado, here is our great interview with Marcus Ogden. I am joined by a very special guest. I'm not even quite sure how to introduce this guest. Larger than life, former NFL star, all-around good guy, Marcus Ogden. What's up, Marcus? How you doing, Jeff? Thanks for having me on, man. Well, thank you for coming on. Seriously, this is an honor for us to have someone who's actually played played football, played in the NFL. So we got a lot of questions. Good. Because as I told you, right, this is kind of the perspective of the fan. We have a lot of fun. We think that we know a lot of stuff, right? Oh, like most fans, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I want to hear your takes and I want to, you know, I've got a couple of questions. So we'll, we'll jump in here. Okay. Because uh, I know we're a little bit short on time, but... Um, seriously, very appreciative that you'd make some time for the podcast today. Absolutely, Jeff. I'm looking forward to it. So um, tell us a little bit about your background. Tell us who drafted you, where you played in the NFL, and um, anything you'd like to add. Yeah, I'm from Washington, D.C. I went to Howard University. I'm actually the first and only offensive lineman ever drafted from Howard. Really? Drafted to the National Bowl League to the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2003. Okay. Jack Del Rio was a rookie head coach at the time, so I was a rookie in the NFL. He was a rookie head coach. Okay. Phenomenal experience. Great guy was a players coach all day went from there to Baltimore had a phenomenal time there and with the Ravens with Ray Lewis my brother Ed Reed then played in Buffalo under Mike Malarkey and Dick Duron. Okay. Great organization. And I finished off my career under Jeff Fisher with the Tennessee Titans. With the Titans. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, very cool. How long were you in the NFL then? Uh, almost six years total. Six years. Okay. 
Um, and we were talking about this earlier. So Draft Day is one of my favorite movies with Kevin Costner. It's not one of yours, though, Marcus, is it's, it? It's not. I mean, you know, everybody <laughs> thinks that, that, you know, it's kind of like when you see, like, you know, Jerry Maguire or, you know, Any Given Sunday, some of these other movies that come out about football, the program. That's really not what it's like. So Draft Day was a good movie. I like Kevin Costner as an actor. But there's a lot of things that really I know from being there and living through draft day, waiting for that phone call, seeing my name across ESPN, that really weren't too accurate. Gotcha. But other than that, I mean, it was a good acting class, I mean, a good actor crew. <laughs> uh-huh. It just didn't work out for me as far as the realistic perspective of what it's like in the NFL. Gotcha. So take me back. It's 2003 then, right? Yep. You've, you've um, you know, finished your time there at Howard. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you had NFL scouts, you know, coming and coming to practice, coming to games and, and different things. Yeah. Um, take us back to what draft day was like for you. When did you get that phone call? What what uh, pick were you selected? Yeah, so draft day for me was interesting because back then you had three days of the draft. I'm sorry, excuse me. Back then you had two days of the draft. You had draft. You had rounds one through three. Then you had rounds four through seven. So people were saying I could be as high as a third round pick, maybe a fourth. So the first day went by, no phone call. The second day started off, had a couple calls. I'll never forget this. At the beginning of the fifth round, I got a phone call from the Dallas Cowboys. Said, we love you, Markish. We love your energy. We saw you at the Hula Bowl. You have a lot of potential to be a great player in this league. We're going to draft you. I'm like, you don't have a pick this round? We don't have a pick this round. I'm like, thinking to myself, why are you calling me? What are you doing? <laughs> like, going this round. I, mean, I didn't say I was just kind of like, oh, okay, well, hopefully things come around. I might be there for you guys. Maybe not. Now, that wasn't Jerry Jones, right? I'm assuming it that's not. it's somebody in their scout. It was one of their, it was one of their top guys in the scouting department because okay. what happens is when you're calling draft picks, it's usually a top person. Like, for example, when the Jaguars called me, I, I got Coach Del Rio. Okay. So he called me. Now, at that time, uh, back with Dallas at that time in 03, Bill Parsons was the head coach. Oh, okay. So it wasn't Bill, but it was some of the high ups there that worked under Bill. So then from there, the next round, I got a phone call from the Bengals say we're going to probably take me later in this round. I got a phone call from the Giants, and then I got a phone call from the Jaguars. It was pick 193, and I remember, I'll never forget it like yesterday, Jack calls me. Now, I had known Jack since 2000. God, since like 2000, no, I'm sorry, I knew Jack since like 1998 when he was the Ravens linebacker coach. And then he went from there to the Panthers as a D coordinator. Okay. And went from the Panthers to, uh, to the Jaguars. Jaguars. So it was amazing for him to call me and say, Mars, how are you doing? What's going on? I said, hey, coach, how's it going? I said, everything's going well. I had got calls from the Bengals, I got calls from the Cowboys. He said, tell everybody else to go away. We're picking you right now, pick 193, see you in Jacksonville in a couple days. Hung up the phone. And as soon as he said that, I saw right across the screen, Marcus Ogden, tackle Howard University. I was like, wow, that was a real phone call. He wouldn't be he wouldn't BSing me. Like, here it is. <laughs> it really happened. It really happened. And oh, I love it. And for me, man, it was great, Jeff, because when I went to college, I only got one scholarship offer for college. That's it. Really? That's all I got. And so when I made when I was able to be drafted as one of the top 253 players in their position. Or in the in the whole scheme of being an athlete in college, the top 252, excuse me, players get drafted by an NFL team or NFL teams total. That's it. 252 yeah. of all the athletes that are playing Division One football that are playing. Some guy, a lot of guys are seniors. Some guys might be juniors. Some guys might be redshirt, you know, junior uh, redshirt sophomores who are like you know in the field. They're sophomores. They're classmen. They're juniors. It's a whole gamut of players. 
So for me to be drafted at pick 193 when I wasn't even expected to be a player in college, really, I thought, oh, if I get a year starting at Howard, great. But I ended up being a four-year starter. And I went to a hula bowl. I mean, I went to the hula bowl, which is one of the top bowls. He had the hula bowl, senior bowl, east-west shrine. Went to the hula bowl, played against guys from Florida State, Texas, Rice, all across the board. And I showed out and did well and got drafted by the Jaguars. That's that's, that's really, really cool. Mm-hmm. So what was your, how tall are you? I'm six, I'm almost six, I'm six, five and a half. Six, five. And what was your playing weight? At my, I went to NFL at about 305. Okay. My heaviest was 375. Okay. Mm-hmm. So ladies and gentlemen, you can't see Marcus Ogden. I'm sitting across the table from him and he's a, he's a pretty tough dude. Right, you could, right. uh, you know, take take care of a guy on the sideline like me, right? Don't you think? <laughs> Well, here's the thing, Jeff. I always think the fans are great, so you always need to kind of keep the, keep the game going. But I've actually lost weight from my planes. I'm probably right now about 290. Okay. Uh, but I work out all the time. I'm a lot more cognizant of what I eat. I'm much more aware. I try to actually just make sure that I'm getting my cardio in. And it's just being very, very strategic because I want to have a long life after the game. But during my career, I was definitely a big person. Uh, my job as a lineman was to get rid of anything in front of me and get, let, the, let the running back do their job with the quarterback make their throws. And I loved it. It was, a, it was a great job. So when you go to Jacksonville, who are you protecting? Who was the QB then? At that time, we had Mark Brunell. Okay. We had Byron Leftwich. Okay. And we had David Garrard. Okay. Three so, great quarterbacks. Yep. And it's, it's awesome to see because David's doing phenomenal right now. He's in real estate. He lives in uh, Jacksonville still. Mark Brunell just got the, uh, the quarterback coach out with the Lions this year. Okay. And then Byron won a Super Bowl. With the Tampa Bay yes, Buccaneers, right. absolutely. He's, he's, he's Tom Brady's coach. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of Tom Brady, did you yep. play against uh, TB? I did. I did play against TB in my career. Yeah. Lo- lo- played him five times, lost all five. <laughs> that was not fun. <laughs> oh, man. So a short story there. So it was 2003. We were playing uh, the Tampa. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We were playing New England in New England. And we looked at him um, and said, wow, we, we, we were winning the game. And then we saw in the third and fourth quarter, he just came back with a, with a bit, with a, with a, a vengeance. Like he was just on a mission for greatness. And I never forget watching him. And I was like, wow. Because that time was only like, he was like only like in the year, second year in the league. Okay. And so, you know, second or third year in the league. I'm like, wow. This guy's going to be really, really good. So you saw early on. Yeah, we did because it wasn't just his – again, Tom, if you look at Tom, Tom's arm strength is not really phenomenal. It's not like a Michael Vick's zip or a Donovan McNabb zip or even a guy's like um, like a Kenny Staber kind of guy back uh-huh. in the day, you know, or Dan Fout. He didn't really have that – or Brett Favre. wasn't really the zip. The accuracy is above normal, but it's not the accuracy of like a Joe Montana – but what Tom does have is that desire and that will and that perseverance mm-hmm. to always win. Come here right now talking to WGU tomorrow about the power of pivoting to create your legacy. And that's what Tom has mastered. He pivots no matter what he's facing. Yeah. And he creates a legacy. And if he's up, he knows how to continue in the game. If he's down, like when he played Atlanta in the Super Bowl, he was able to pivot when everybody thought the game was over. Yeah. And then he comes back and wins. Yeah. And this year, everybody thought there was no way they're going to beat the Chiefs. He pivoted. He changed some things up. Instead of going deep a whole lot, 30 yards and under, he was just accurate. He found open receivers. He didn't try to do too much. And because he knows he's 43 years old, 
things change. So he's pivoted. Yeah. And his legacy now goes on. First yeah. player to ever win a Super Bowl past the age of 40 on two different teams. Yeah. Sensational. Well, thank you for the take. That's it's fascinating again that you've you've uh, competed against him and and had those experiences. All right, Marks, we got a couple more quick questions before we let you scoot out the door. Um, who do you root for these days? Baltimore Ravens all day. All day? All How day. come? You know, I play for the Ravens. My brother played for the Ravens. Ask me to take that back. I root for the Baltimore Ravens and the Buffalo Bills. Okay. The Ravens, because my brother played for them, so did I. But the Bills are my clients now. Of course, they're players like Josh Allen, Tredavious White. I've been like a mentor to those guys as a speaker. Cool. So watch these guys grow up and go from the rookies they were to now the veterans they are. It's fantastic. Well, take a little bit of credit for those Buffalo Bills. This is that this was a great season, and they've got nothing but uh, they're young. up to go. They're young. Yeah, very cool. Um, what was the toughest place that you ever played in terms of like crowd? Who, who's got a crazy the group of fans? The toughest crowd that I played against, for me, and I've just been around a lot of states, but really was super loud, it's been Kansas City. Okay. Been exceptionally loud. And it's just a crazy, crazy environment. It's hard to hear. And as far as like crazy fans, Minnesota Vikings, back when they had the old Superdome. Okay. They were just a crazy bunch of fans. Okay, very interesting. And the last question that I wanted to ask you, what would you like the average fan, like myself, like the guy on the sideline, what would you like us to know what it's really like to play in the NFL? I want you all to really know what you see on Sundays is just a small part of it. The preparation, the hard work, the timing, the film study, the way we have to work from get it to the facility during training camp at 6 a.m., not even until 10 p.m., the amount of work that goes into being a master craftsman of being a football athlete, it's so much more than meets the eye. So I want people to understand that's really what it's all about. Well, I love that. And again, Marcus, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to meet you. We're thrilled to have you on the podcast. And uh, let me give you the final word out the door, if that's cool. Sounds good. And so I would tell everybody to tell everybody is in life, in order to succeed, you must be able to pivot. Like Tom Brady, like all the great people that in, in the world, they all have the ability to change their strategy without changing their vision. Now, when life gets hard, which we all know it's going to, how do you pivot? How do you change your strategy without changing your final destination or your targeted vision outreach? If you can do that in life, no matter where you are, what you face, you will always come out on top. Oh, I love it. Marcus, where can people find you? My website, www.marcus, M-A-R-Q-U-E-S, Ogden, O-G-D-E-N.com. We're doing keynote speaking, executive coaching, consulting, written a couple of books. Reach out to us and you can hit me on my email, Marcus underscore Ogden at yahoo.com. Awesome. Marcus, you're the best. Thank you, man. Appreciate it, Jeff. The opinions and predictions on this podcast are right 98.3% of the time.